Howdy, and welcome to Lost in the Lyrics, the podcast where we usually discuss song lyrics and completely overanalyze them. I'm Elliot. And I'm Claire. And today, it's the fourth anniversary of this podcast's public existence, so we're going to do something a little different. Instead of analyzing a song, we will be going back to where our journey of analysis began by analyzing scenes from and our experience surrounding the novel A Separate Piece by John Knowles. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my god! I can barely get it out. <laughs> <laughs> this feels so strange. Um, we've never done something like this in the podcast before. Obviously, if you're listening in order, um, we have been recording from the Timeless Void and we have already recorded some... Uh, something we also haven't done before, which is analyzing the the Haley Steinfeld EP. The EP but we've yeah. never done something like this, where we just don't analyze a song. the the most <laughs> The most like similar to this, weirdly enough, is when we wrote Twilight slash Mulan fan fiction because uh, it's just no, like hey, not hey. related to lyrics. Don't need to. Don't need to. I mean, but that was related to lyrics. No need to bring that up. I mean, we don't. Need, we still don't even know who wrote that anonymous fan fiction. To clarify, oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> but. Um. Anywho, how has it been in the timeless void? It's uh, we're recording this actually from the timeless void still. Yeah. Um, uh, two and a half months before y'all are listening to it. So yeah. So if you know if we say anything wildly timeless, um. <laughs> yeah. So it is. It is happening. Um. It, how long has it been since we first read this novel? It's now a time. Yeah. Well, we read it in the like late fall of 2015. Okay. And it is now the the very beginning of 2022, not to date our timeless void. No, and not to date our timeless void. <laughs> <laughs> so, like Is it 7 years? I think 6. I think 6. six. That's still yeah. a really long time. Yeah. I mean, not really, but it, it feels like a long time. It, and also, like, not mm-hmm. very much time. Like, you know, there's the moment that you think of as the present. <laughs> just to reference this separate piece, just to start it off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. What, might as well. So this episode is going to be entirely uninteresting if you haven't read the novel or you don't know what a separate piece is. Um, so, yeah, sorry. I know that's really alienating yeah. a lot of the potential listeners. If, um, if you... Do if you are interested and you want to listen to this, uh, I mean, the book is only like 200 pages long, so like, and it's written for sort of a young adult audience, so like, it's pretty easy to read. Um, so like, you know, yeah. if you want, and there's to, an audiobook, you can get it from the library, yeah. I mean, our library, I don't know if every library has it, but probably most do. Yeah, I got it, is, I got the li- I got the audiobook. We, so what did you do to prepare for this episode? I read the audiobook on one and a half times speed. And uh, then, yeah, that's the speed. And <laughs> I, then, I mean 1.75. <laughs> yeah. I mean, usually I do listen to audiobooks on just like the normal ones times one speed, but um, I had like two days to read it and I was like, I just got to get through it and I've already read it before. Like I know the main beats of the story. Right. Um, And I have the book here. So if I totally miss something, I can like you know find where i am where i'm at and then i also um when i heard like quotes that i was like i want to discuss this i like i just tagged them nice with some sticky notes um that was it um pretty much 
Yeah, um, I... Do you want to talk about what you did? Yeah, I listened to probably... I listened through chapter 10 of the audiobook on 1.75 speed today while I was doing family New Year's activities. So, like, I don't know that I was, like... I mean, sorry, not to date our not to date our timeless void, but um, even though we keep doing that, um, I I was doing family stuff and and I had one earbud in listening to this audiobook on one point seven five speed, so I I think I gained some of I remembered some things. I mean, it definitely jogged my memory, but I wouldn't say that I like did a good deep read of it. Um, I looked at some of my old annotations, which are mostly useless. And mm-hmm. I uh, made some notes with sticky notes in the book of certain passages. I couldn't find my old notes. Um, I know that they're in my room somewhere, but I could not find them. I also uh, Googled th- questions that I had while I was listening that I didn't understand, like where Jean is from. Uh, for some reason, the detail of how much Finny weighs is in my head right now. Uh, he's 150 pounds. Jean mentions that a couple times. Um, I also uh, watched... Um, are they They're gay? also five foot eight and a half. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not five foot nine, but yeah. I, I no, watched... <laughs> it's not cool to say you're five foot nine when you're actually five foot eight and a half. <laughs> oh gosh, it's weird to reference that. In, in uh, okay, I I rewatched. Um, I watched the Are They Gay? Um, video on reading queer subtext in Dead Poet Society. Um, mm. we re- we watched Dead Poet Society when we um. When in our English class, we didn't watch the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I think, we watched part I think of it. I watched like half of it. Yeah, it's a really sad movie, but we watched part of it ju- literally just because it's like an all boys boarding school environment. Um, mm-hmm. But it definitely also has queer subtext. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's mostly what I did. Do you want to just read our little uh, acknowledgement that we wrote ahead of time? Um, do we want to say a quick summary? I'm I'm gonna just read the back of the book so everybody okay. sort of knows what we're getting into here. Yeah, and just um, like. You know, th- this is we're, this is literally the back summary. This is not us yeah. writing word our own word. summary. Word, word for, for word. word. <laughs> there might be some inflection and you'll see, you know. <laughs> but I- I'll try to read it as neutrally as possible <clears throat> without being total monotone. Okay, anyway. Um, set at a boys boarding scroll- school in New England during the early years of World War II, a separate piece is a harrowing and luminous parable of the dark side of adolescence. Jean is a lonely, introverted intellectual. Phineas is a handsome, taunting, daredevil athlete. <laughs> what happens between the two friends one summer, like the war itself, banishes the innocence of these boys and their world. That last sentence, I thought it was going to be a question, and I my my tone was off. But that was a. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read that again. What happens between the two friends one summer, like the war itself, banishes the innocence of these boys and their world. Interesting, interesting. So, it's a it's you know historical fiction set in World War II, all boys mm-hmm. boarding school, notorious. Well, that's a notorious environment. Um, um, it was also written in 1959. Yeah, and so. Uh, it's and I think that it was inspired by the author's boarding mm-hmm. school, maybe. Yeah, the author um, went but- to Phillips, Phillips mm-hmm. Exeter, which is a very prestigious boarding school in the um, in New England. So, yeah, um, the school in the book Devon is, um, I think, uh, like influenced by Phillips Exeter. Gosh, that back summary really just like <laughs> every time it just sounds. Like a dark romance novel with it like really a dark does. academia theme, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the the dark. So let's just uh, let's let's read our little acknowledgement before we get started. We just wanted to acknowledge a couple things before we got 
yeah. Yeah. So um, before we start analyzing, we just wanted to say that this is just some of our opinions and our interpretation of the text, and it's totally valid and good if you have different interpretations or disagree. We both went to an all-girls high school. And that is where we first encounter this book during our freshman year. And we see some parallels to the single-gendered education shown in the book, even though our high school was not all boys and not a boarding school. Um, so we might um, talk some about that um, and like what parallels we see there. We also will be discussing queerness in this text, and our goal is really not to force any sort of gayness onto these characters. When we originally read the text, we were not encouraged to explore whether this is uh, whether um, and how that topic is present in the novel, and so we we did end up noticing it in the writing then and in our revisit as well. Um, and so we will we'll probably touch on that today and, and kind of explore this topic that we just weren't really we didn't really get the chance to explore in school. So it's kind of a, a special point of interest for us a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, yeah, we're interested in that. And then we're also interested in, you know, it, it has been six years. We've gone through, you know, five and a half more years of school or whatever, six years, more years of school since then. So we've like grown in our analysis capabilities we've also been doing this podcast for four years where we analyze song lyrics which is a little bit different but like sort of in the same vein um Mm -hmm. so like we're sort of expanding our analysis expanding our understanding as we're coming to the text from a different spot but we're also sort of looking back and getting to explore the topics that we weren't able to explore because of the um environment we were in um, yeah i i think when we first did the analysis i actually i think that our analysis of the ep is 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 a good segue i guess to this too because it's the idea of like this broader narrative like a lot of what we're a lot of what we will be talking about we might do what we did we'll do some of what we do normally where we kind of read quotes and read the text and make do literary analysis essentially um close reading as they say but we will also be talking about more broad aspects of the book characters story um we have no idea how long this is gonna be again we've never done this before i might have to edit some stuff i don't know um but yeah we're gonna give it a shot and so yeah so first we were gonna talk about kind of our reactions in 2015 when we first read it versus now um, in the timeless void again, completely timeless. We have done nothing to date this time. Um, would he, would he, uh, so my first question, I guess, uh, just to get started, is what's something that surprised you in your revisit of the book? Okay, um, I think there were a number of things that that surprised me. Um, I think my sort of like. I think my perception of Jean is the character who's like, who, who's like, when I view Jean, I think that's where my view is the most dissimilar, probably. Um, but I'm not really mm-hmm. sure. I don't really remember how I looked at the characters, but I, I feel like I have a different understanding of Jean now. Um, I think also what surprised me is like the presence of sport in the in the novel, and I remember our teacher saying that. Um, one time they were doing like analysis in class like a few years before we were there and there were two like student athletes who did their analysis about um sport in the novel um and that surprised me the presence of of sports and like how prevalent those were um and just like the theme of competition as that runs throughout sports throughout academics throughout Mm -hmm. all the discussion of war like 
Yeah. It's all over the place. I also didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm like more aware of like using sports as like a metaphor for bigger things going on in people's lives. Mhm. Um at at this point in time than I was um during my freshman year. Um I think probably because I didn't encounter as many people who were like super serious about sports at that point in time, mm. you know. Yeah. Um there are I friends other just things- those people and our yeah. and, and and we didn't have that many people who were vocal about it in our English class. We were in the same English class for listeners yeah. that I think maybe don't also know. like but, um, um when you um when you're like a a kid, you know, like 14, 15, people are like still playing sports just for the fun of it. And it's not like people who are mm-hmm. older don't play sports just for the fun of it, but the people you encounter in like college who are playing sports still like competitively are like really in it you know right um well like it's it becomes such a part of their identity when you've been playing competitively for so long it's interesting too because i feel that finney as a character is such a encapsulation of that combination of doing it for just the fun of it and loving it but also he is such a natural uh, he's such a naturally gifted athlete, and he works on being an athlete all the time. It's such a part of his identity that when that's mm-hmm. taken away from him, it hits him so hard. And I feel like it's kind of that idea of, like, he didn't realize how serious he was about it until he wasn't able to be carefree about it. Like, yeah. he he was so, you know, he could be kind of reckless with his, with what he did, like jumping out of trees and, and you know, I just think... Mm-hmm. um. I just think he he's a he's an interesting mix of like of that doing it just for fun but also not realizing how much it meant to him until he couldn't have it. Um yeah. Yeah, the other the other thing that is um less nice that surprised me was like the amount of ableism that was present in the book and I think yeah. you know, it, it's a disservice to not talk about it. Um and like I think in some ways it like Finney's physical limitations once he has broken his leg are like a good representation because previous he had been such like a physically gifted person with his uh-huh. sports and everything and his athleticism. Um, but like the way that it is approached as if this is now a flaw in him uh-huh. rather than like a circumstance that will cause him to change the way that he lives um i think is is um not great yeah i think also the parallelism of the or not the parallelism but the the parallels between his injuries and like the way that they compare that to like war and soldiers injuries and stuff like that like the circumstances mm-hmm. and stuff um, I, I was also surprised by that a little bit. That's not really the thing that surprised me the most, but was surprised. But along with the whole ableism thing, just the way they treat leper when he had mm-hmm. when he has experienced trauma, um, the mental like how he is struggling with mental health things and the way that they treat him, uh, is was also striking there. And also, um, just this there's just like this scene I don't remember exactly when they're talking about Finney and his crutches and how there's just like he has such trouble navigating in the winter on his crutches and the way they mm-hmm. talk about that 
it definitely isn't it's definitely in a very comparison way. It's not to say, oh, they should have had more, you know, accessible things at this boarding school, but mm-hmm. to say they should he, have tried harder to help him or something. It's like not that. like that. It's like he is less. It's it's like mm-hmm. it, the way it's framed is and I get okay, I mean that's the other thing, right? It's Gene. It's he's an unreliable narrator. Um yeah. but also yeah, it it definitely isn't great and I do think that that's it just like hasn't aged very well. Yeah. I think that Gene could have like some moral outrage of Finney was such this this great institute, this great person at Devon, they should have done more to help him, but instead he's like Finney was struggling and it sucked for him. Right. And like that's just the kind of like that sucks for yeah. him. Um we shouldn't do anything about that really. Yeah. What can you do? Um anywho, so what 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 surprised me probably the mm-hmm. most is just how much I was oblivious to the presence of war, <laughs> which feels funny to say. I know, yeah. But when we read this, when we were, when I was like fourteen, I was fourteen. You were fifteen. I felt at the time so focused on myself and my own angst, and I saw so much of that in Gene. And honestly, I think I just I projected so much onto Gene and felt so much with Gene. In terms of, you know, being envious of people that have better, you know, that seem to have it together more. And I think Mm -hmm. that, like, because I was so focused on those character things, and I still do tend to focus on characters a lot, but um, I just didn't, I didn't get it. I did not get the impact of war. And, and especially reading it now, um, from the Timeless Void, there is still COVID, unfortunately. So there's some COVID in the Timeless Void. And reading it from a time when there is COVID... It's it's a different thing because there's while a, I'm also not going to say crisis. Yeah. exactly, and I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say World War II is the same as COVID. That's not what I'm trying to say. Mm-mm. But and and you haven't seen Dickinson. I know you haven't seen Dickinson. But the, <laughs> sorry, the use that <laughs> Dickinson okay, Dickinson um is a it's a great show. Basically, in that show. This is just a sl- small tangent, but in that show, they actually use the Civil War that the characters, that the the, the, the real people that they have made this historical fiction about slash re- reimagining about um, of li- living with Emily Dickinson, um, they're going through the Civil War. And they actually use that to kind of parallel a lot of the ways mm-hmm. that isolation and stuff has been present in COVID um, to w- to relate it back to the 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 way that modern viewers are experiencing the show. And, and so, yeah, that's my tangent. Um, I felt a lot of that here when when I was re-listening and revisiting the way that he describes the isolation of the war, but also just the idea of you are not on the front lines, you are in a separate place. There are people in denial that that is their way that they cope. There are people that are signing up to do the thing they don't want to do that's hard because they think it's the right thing to do, and then they come back and they have been really emotionally damaged because they were not, they didn't understand, right? Like, these are... Mm -hmm. These are a lot, and also the propaganda. I mean, obviously it's it's different um, with COVID, but like all of the like glorifying. Yeah. None of us are being sent stuff. out to die. True, none of us are being sent situation. out to die. But the the kind of idea too of like yeah. the, it was interesting too to see Finney as this as this person who is in such denial and this person who is in who is being so reckless in so many ways with not only his own body but also I mean like not that Finney doesn't know his own you know boundaries there but just just seeing that and like the way that that parallels to me seeing the way that people have responded to the pandemic situation i just think it's it's a different thing but definitely the idea of something 
a bigger than us something that is making the world feel very different, but also being very separate from that. And I think that that's interesting, too, because we do get a version of that in dorm environments Um, and in our own homes when we're separated in our own homes. But we do get a version of isolation from the rest of the world when we go off to school. Um, And, you know, I I don't know if you ever went to. um, Are you good? You got your cat? Do, I don't know. Yeah, um, that was just a cat thing. Okay. I don't know. Do you? Oh, he's going to come say hi to the microphone. Oh. Uh, did, did you ever go off to sleepaway camp? Yeah, I did a couple weeks. So I feel like I used to think about this novel kind of like that, the way that you're so separate that you kind of are literally closed off from the events of the news in that way. It's separate mm, yeah. from you. But I do think that a lot of a lot of it... Now, I, I resonate so much more with that whole isolation of the pandemic. Um, yeah. yeah, that was surprising to me. And and the presence of war and how often the characters acknowledge and joke about it, even. How often they, like, mm-hmm. named their game after stuff relating to the war. All of that. How yeah. casually they discuss it. I mean, all of that. Mm-hmm. And also this idea of living in a place where... The war is both more and less present to mm. you as compared to, like, your parents. Right. Like, living in a college dorm, um, there are, and living in a college setting, there are ways in which the um, pandemic affects you more than it does to people who are still living in their own homes. And then there are other ways where it affects you less, like the fact that I was able to, like, um, you know, meet new people and go to classes every once in a while and like eat in a public space like the dining hall um mm-hmm. whereas like my folks back home you know were were not able to do that um, yeah and but at the same time at the same time like all of my interactions are going to happen in a public place rather than you know in this private place where you know i know that i am safe in this place Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a dorm, there are more people living there. Um, you know, you're sharing space with more people. Um, so you're going to have to, like, put on your mask to go do more basic activities. Right. Um, so I think it's an interesting balance that I think the the um, boys at Devon feel as well. Like, right. on one hand, they're 16, so they aren't drafted yet. Um, and in that way, like, they have this ability to isolate themselves a little bit but at the same time like the door is right on their or the war is right on their doorstep yeah um because they know that they're gonna have to enlist or get drafted that that was also something that i mean that's obviously we can't relate to that in the same way with the pandemic quite yeah i mean not at all even like the idea of being drafted and sent to war which is horrible um but i just think that like I, I just, again, when we were 14, I just, I think I was so caught up thinking about how jealous Gene was and all these feelings he mm-hmm. had. I just didn't think, I don't think I paid very much attention at the time to how present and terrifying that threat of draft was and is for those characters and seeing seeing simultaneously the propaganda for how amazing it could be and the whole like a military mm-hmm. industrial complex stuff that's being pushed. Yeah. And then also, you know, these moments where the professor, where Gene says, you know, these professors, they like, they had to see us as like this symbol of hope because they know that like the boys like 
that are literally two years older than us are being sent to death pretty much um mm-hmm. so yeah okay sorry next question we gotta <laughs> i i think this one is i think we've covered this one our next question was what something that maybe stood out to you more this time than it did when we first read it do you have anything to add or is hmm. like what we said already i think it yeah pretty much what we said already i mean for me obviously i've been examining this well, not ex- obviously, but I've been examining this for a little bit longer than you because I did a partial reread or a full reread. I can't I can't remember how much I reread um, maybe a year ago. And yeah, wasn't it like last summer or something? Something like that. I don't know. But I, I had never really considered some of the queerness in the reading because mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I had considered it vaguely, but I hadn't actually seen it in the text because I did not notice it at all when we first read it. Um, and definitely this time hearing mm-hmm. it, there were def- there were moments where I was like, oh. And and even more than that, and I think maybe we can ask the next question to touch on this, but more than that, um more than that, not just the the queerness in the in the writing of these moments they have together, that Gene and Finney have together, but also just the the coding and the metaphor around that. And mm-hmm. and the theme that stood out to me a lot was the idea of conformity, um, and and the way that Jean approaches conforming versus the way the and obviously there's a lot that happens in the book so there's there's a point too where the theme kind of shifts and it gets more there's a lot of like fear of war and fear in general like that first paragraph or not paragraph sorry that first chapter where he keeps saying this tree you know this tree is so much fear and like i feel so much fear Um, this this tree is fear yeah maybe this is where my origins of writing like angst stuff around trees started i don't know but um i think yeah i think that was surprising to me and and also just not something i really thought about before is like conforming um and Mm -hmm. conforming to society wanting you know the military and uh and and conforming to that i to those ideas of being patriotic and serving and doing your duty conforming to what it means to be a good student what it means to be popular like how you make friends how do you mm-hmm. keep social connections i mean there's a lot there and there's also a lot there in the what i feel is like there is a queer reading of so anyway we'll, we'll get to that but um, the next question that I had was how did how have your opinions on the characters or the story changed? Um, have they changed? I think they have definitely changed. Um, you know, coming at this story as uh, you know from the other side. You know, having gone through high school in a mostly single gender environment and having lived at college for two and a half years, well, ish again because Mm -hmm. covid um but like having experienced some of those things i think i've i'm definitely like more aware of of different things in the book um i think uh like like one thing i think my opinion about gene has changed um Mm. as i said before um like i think when i was you know, 15, I think I mostly saw him, like, he was jealous of Finney, um, like, it was this, this jealousy and, like, this, you know, um, like, inferiority complex type of situation that, that, um, was, 
you know, causing him to do the actions that he did. And now, honestly, I don't think that he acted on his feelings of jealousy all that much. Like, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get to this later, but I, I. So wait, do you like I, him more I, this time? I think that it's not that I liked him more. It's more that I was better able to see where he was coming from and his confusion huh. about his feelings and how that was affecting him. Uh-huh. Um, whereas I think that, you know, the last time I read it, I like, I mean, I, I was looking as much as I could for the subtext and everything, but like, I didn't really have many models to base that analysis on. Um, whereas now I've read my fair share of, um, like more literary books. I've read my fair share of like, uh, books that are actually like explicitly gay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm better able to like compare what he's feeling to, <laughs> to the feelings of like other characters and, um, would you say that he's more, I don't know, like sympathetic to you now? I think so. I think also like, I don't put as much blame on him mm. for, for what he did as I did then. I think. I think I interesting. I saw it as like he I think I now I see him more as a victim than the perpetrator. I think that's the best way I have of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, victim of circumstance. Yeah. Like I mean does anything bad by one person directly happen to him not really but like the circumstances and himself. I think right. caused him to be more of a victim than than a perpetrator. You know, that's interesting. I think I had kind of well, not not a totally different thing, but I think that mm-hmm. in high school when we read this, I was so much more inclined to be like in my own private thoughts, not in English class, but you know, Gene I would think things like Gene Gene didn't mean to do that. Gene is super relatable and understandable. I totally understand where he's coming from. You know, he's He's upset. His feelings are valid. Um, now when I read this, I mean, I think I am better at at finding my own reasoning for why he is the way that he is. I think he's he's troubled. He's dealing with a lot. He's dealing with the pressure of the world, which I didn't gain before. I didn't realize that. He's mm-hmm. dealing with this yeah. circumstance that's beyond his control that he doesn't understand that scares him, right? And he's projecting that in his relationships in a lot of ways, Um I don't know whether or not it matters that he whether or not he knocked him out of the tree on purpose or not. I don't think that really matters as much. But what what his response is to that is so telling in a way that it wasn't before. I I, I think Gene is annoying to me because I see so much of the way that I used to think in it. And and sometimes the way his thoughts really are very intrusive, the way he goes from one from from feeling one way to completely shifting his entire idea about it yeah. and doubting himself. I mean, that's obviously a sign of him he's having trouble. He's going through something that he doesn't know how to deal yeah, with. That- but yeah, it, it's interesting. I I feel like in this read I, I was much more able to just kind of think about him and not feel so connected to him personally and kind of just mm-hmm. more broadly like what is he dealing with? And also Finney, my opinion on Finney changed too. 
Yeah. Like I I think yeah. I think my the main thing that like sort of stood out to me about Gene was how confused he is uh-huh. all the time. Yeah, he's confused. Like I, I but he's scared. I don't think I don't think I understood how confused that boy was. Right, and he's like like he's like 16. I thought that he was sure that he did these thing these specific things, but honestly, I think he he sort of used the fact that he so he believed that he did those things to sort of like I mean, they were a stand-in. Like, I think he was confused, and he was like, I have to believe something, so this is what I'm going to believe. Right. Yeah. Also, um, should I say, or can I say about Finny? Something that yeah. stood out to me about Finny is that, I, I so I, I still like Finny, and I did like Finny, mm-hmm. because Finny is very likable, um, and that's kind of the yeah, point. He's, he's written to be that way. Gene <laughs> right. clearly, you know, has an amount of affection and, for and him. And, like, he, he, he idolizes him a little bit, and there's, like... A little yeah. bit. Um, <laughs> this kind of reminds me of the whole like unreliable narrator thing. We are getting the perspective of a teenage Gene who is very confused about his place in the world and who he is. Well, we're, um, we're not only just getting the perspective of a teenage Gene, we're getting the perspective of what an adult Gene remembers of what teenage Gene was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> so like the things that are going to stand out are the really you know, heavy emotional moments and Gene looking back on them is going to see his emotions probably as more monolithic than they actually were. Yeah. You know, I, so, so I, I know that maybe I think kind of part but of, we don't have any, we don't have any way of knowing what, what's like mm. necessarily the, the factual truth of right. the situation, which is also kind of interesting and something I didn't, you know, recognize. Yeah. Um, I think when we originally analyzed this, there was a lot of talk, and I do think that this can still be an interesting symbolic journey to follow, of the idea of Finney, of Finney as symbolizing this kind of innocence. He He's in so much denial about the war, he, he doesn't want to accept it, and then obviously it hits really hard when he has to start accepting some things. Um, and I think, you know, the whole back cover being all banishes their innocence or whatever. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. that's part of what they're talking about. But something that really stood out to me about Finney this time around was, yeah, I still love Finney as this charismatic, funny guy guy and i get again i also get that that's gene's remembering him of him Mm -hmm. but also how much finney just genuinely cares for people but also how clueless he seems to be about he's so easygoing and so ready to just brush away the worries that he's kind of Mm -hmm. puts himself in this position where he's like willfully ignorant and kind of entitled to his own his own way and it's not that he thinks he's better i don't think that he thinks he's better than people i just think that he's not willing to consider other people's feelings that often and i don't and i also don't think that that's because he's super duper selfish and doesn't care about people i think he kind of is the kind of he's kind of like a dog like not <laughs> i always think of Finney as kind of like a golden retriever you know like he he just mm-hmm. loves people and life and when that's taken away from him he feels so hurt and deprived of it which you know that's a that's not super healthy way to live but he's a 16 year old boy and i mean yeah, that's just the yeah. way it is. I think this time ball is life, and when ball is not life, <laughs> what can he do? Um, but I mean, but I don't yeah, mean to I, say I that think... to belittle him at all. I think he's, I think he's a complicated character. He's a complicated guy, but also yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to, to determine anything about him when we're going from Gene's perspective. Um, yeah, but it, his yeah. perspective is just so biased, especially concerning Finney. Um, and I think that 
the other thing that is interesting that you sort of brought mm-hmm. touched on is that we see how Finney is like so emotionally intelligent about his own self mm-hmm. in many ways and how he's so confident in his own self and sort of like acknowledges like his feelings and and such um whereas gene has a very difficult time doing that but at the same time when gene tries to talk to finney and they're both like having an emotional response to something um like their their conversation at finney's house after um the summer term is over oh like, that conversation's so tense <laughs> finney, oh my gosh finney doesn't seem to have a very good awareness of the emotional responses of others mm-hmm. even though he has a decent amount of sort of like recognition of his own emotions right and he projects um, which i think is very interesting and he projects those onto other people too i mean I, we all do that mm-hmm. to some extent but there's a there's a moment even when he said when um when he realizes that Gene needs to study to be good at school, and he says, you know, oh, I didn't need, no, you knew, knew you needed to study, and Gene says back to him, or he doesn't say this, Gene thinks in his own head, oh, Finney just doesn't realize he's he's unique, that things don't just come naturally to everybody. He's That, that, that Finney was projecting this idea that things come naturally onto me, and that's not the case. Um, and I don't know, I mean, everyone does that, but- And I mean- the thing is, Gene projects his own jealousy onto Finney. Yeah. So, like, okay, can we? Ne- neither of them are. Innocent. Can we get into the? Oh, oh, okay. Wait. Never mind. One question. The ma- any major takeaways? Because I actually do have something that I want to say about Gene's character. That I this is like a big overarching theory analysis that I have. So, is uh-huh. there anything else that you want to say before we start talking about quotes? Um, major takeaways. Um, hmm. why don't you say yours and then I'll. Well, I'll think about it. Okay, so here's my theory, current brain space. Keep in mind, I re-listened to this book, most of this book, today, again, so it's it's all kind of jumbled. It's not that well organized, but kind of what I'm thinking is this, and this is very much relating to a kind of a queer reading and an identity reading, but the idea of Finney as this symbol of comfort and acceptance of yourself, I mean- we know that Finney is not that person, that Finney has his own issues, that he is not actually mm-hmm. as confident as he seems. And I mean, of course, the reason we think he is is because we're getting Gene's version of him, Gene's, uh, Gene, the way that Gene views him. But I think that if Gene views him as a symbol of self-acceptance, there's definitely something to say here about the the, the kind of confusion around potentially attraction that gene has for finney and and i'm not you know i'm we are going to talk about this a little bit more i think um coming up but what i kind of gathered was this idea that gene maybe has some feelings for finney that he doesn't really understand very well and 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 finney is definitely a little bit more coded as that as as potentially being queer in some way i mean he he's very he's comfortable with himself in a way that the other boys he's shown to be different than other boys at the school in how comfortable he is with vulnerability. Some of the lines even directly reference, like, stereotypes of being gay that he acknowledges and says, hey, what if I do partake in that stereotype? So what? And, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that he, you know, that's not a full statement that he is, but it he's, if he represents somebody who's that comfortable with himself and Gene is jealous of him, it, it's kind of that question of, do I like him or do I want to be him? And for Gene, I think it's a level mm-hmm. of both. I also think that with Gene's um, thing with Finney, there's like, 
There's something here about, gosh, I kind of forgetting my train of thought. There's something here about Gene searching for why he feels the way he does and deciding that 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 what he feels is hatred and jealousy rather than affection and admiration. And the way he he chooses to believe that it's that, he takes apart the pieces of the way that Finney has been a good friend to him and he chooses to believe that it's with harmful. And I think that there's like there's a lot of internalized uh inter- potentially homophobia, but there's internalized I don't know, some kind of dissonance that Gene has about himself and who he is and the way that Finney's self-confidence makes him feel that he can't be as confident or that he is not. It mm-hmm. reminds him of how he is not confident in himself and who he is. And I mean, you can take that in a queer way. You can also just take that in uh you're 16 and you don't know who you are way. But that's kind of- the, I think the- there's also an argument to be made for like Gene feels that there's this one way to be a man. Mm-hmm. And Finney sort of challenges that idea and at the same time conforms to that idea. And he right. doesn't really know what to do with that. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the way that Finney is a, is this star athlete, which is kind of, you know, sport is such a coded, like masculine thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then. And physical strength. Right. And physical strength and physical ability. I mean, obviously, lots of kinds of people are good at that stuff, but at least in the that kind of coding of the ideal of masculinity. And then yet Finney w- is comfortable wearing pink and making witty jokes, almost flirting with everyone he meets. Finney wants to run off mm-hmm. with his best friend and, like, elope, essentially. And it's like... And also, like, once Finney can no longer play sports, he still has some of that same charismatic attitude Mm -hmm. and i think both gene and finney are struggling with like what does it mean to to be a person and to to like with this you know now sort of limitation on what he could once do and what was once his identity yeah yeah, I don't know that. I, yeah, I don't know that I fully said what I meant to say there very well. But the but the general point I had about Dean is mostly just the whole way that he projects his own insecurities about his identity onto his perce- onto his perception that Finney is very secure in his identity, um, and and that's like that also relates to the theme of conformity as you were just saying. Um, do you do you have anything that you would want to add to that? Or um, I think now now thinking about it some more. Um, the idea of like like i guess sort of like falling um is interesting um i think we i mean we were we were talking about this in like spoiler for one of the later episodes of the ep but weren't we talking about the idea of falling and like what it means to fall in right. the fifth episode we did we talked about um, falling uh and the meanings of falling out falling in love falling out of love falling out in terms of conflict falling with somebody right taking the Um, fall falling for somebody there's there's lots of falling (laughs) i think that is a very interesting topic um i think also i was just thinking of like narratively um if we look at this as like a traditional coming out narrative like there are two figures in the tree and one of them gets hurt by this action that they do together and then 
you know, he comes back and people treat him differently. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, like, that poor treatment of him as a person and, like, questioning what he believes so strongly, like, and, like, having his rights taken away, like, and then ultimately, you know, dying for that. Um, also, like, his own body killing him. Like, mm. I know this was written in 1959, Ugh. but it's almost like an AIDS type of narrative, which is, like, yeah. so uncomfortable and interesting at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely... And it kind of... It reminds me a little bit about how um, The Great Gatsby was written in the 1920s, but you can read, like, foreshadowing of the Great Depression into mm. it, which, like, had not happened yet. I mean, I, d I don't yeah. know. I just, it's, I it's mean, interesting. I, I don't, yeah, I, I agree that it's, like, it's not, it's not, sorry, there's a bit of a delay in the, uh, the, the video call. I'm not sure if I'm cutting you off or not. But, um, you're good. There's, I, yeah, I wouldn't say that it's at all a clear, um, AIDS metaphor, but it definitely is. No, it definitely all, highlights uh, that idea yeah. that when you are already different and, un and not accepted generally, um, and then something happens that, you know, in general, like for, f obviously for AIDS, um, it it's illness, I should say, that, and it is devastating and it can affect anybody but when it affects an already vulnerable population or person the way that they are treated is going to be so drastically different than the way that somebody who was not in that position would be treated um i don't know how well i don't know if i said that very well but yeah it's just sorry um it is it is it is an interesting consideration yeah sorry to interrupt you i just wanted to let you know that the audio quality might change a little because apparently I've been talking too loud. So now I'm going to be like kind of whispering. We're kind of recording this later in the night than we usually do. So sorry. It's 1130, uh, but this is the timeless voice. <laughs> so I should be not going okay. to do that. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, okay. Are you ready to listen to some clips? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to, okay. now that we've, kind of taking a bigger look at the whole text we're gonna listen to some clips that were sent in from two of our friends um they also read this book in school with us and we're just gonna listen to what they have to say about it thought it could be an interesting thing to yep. to bring some some other voices into the conversation hey claire and elliot uh this is carson they them pronouns please and i'm a friend of elliot's um, I'm also a year younger, so sadly, we did not get to experience the homoerotic masterpiece that is a separate piece together. Um, but my contribution is that, as a freshman, I related to a separate piece on, like, a spiritual level. Like, besides the fact that Jean and Finney, or at least Jean, come on, were not heterosexuals, I really related to the way that Jean idolized Finney. Like, I have dark hair, I'm an introvert, and I was pretty socially awkward at that point in my life, and I also had a huge crush on my friend who was blonde, extroverted, athletic, and like, a really talented and likable person all around. So I saw a lot of myself in Jean, like that mix of admiration and jealousy of someone who seemed to make life so effortless. Like, that was probably not particularly healthy, but thankfully I have moved past it 
Anyway, in conclusion, that is how I know beyond the textual evidence that Jean was gay for Finny. Like, we were experiencing the exact same emotions, but I was able to call it attraction. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks for thanks for sharing that, Carson. Yes, thanks, Carson. I I like that. Yeah. It's so it's like so yeah. simple and and like less thinking about it too much like we have been doing for the last two hours um yeah it's like it's like carson was able to feel their feelings about the book instead of just like over analyzing all of them so in this situation actually carson i think you're finny and we are gene over analyzing and just like nitpicking but like without the weird homoerotic undertones. Yeah, hopefully. Um I think I think it's really it's it's really a nice reminder of the way that we connect to art or reading a, a text in the in the most essential sense. A sense that I often like the basic way of just feeling connected, enjoying it, relating to it. This is something I personally struggle with because I tend to be a gene about life like when i see a movie Mm -hmm. sometimes i look up the plot before i finish watching the movie because i don't want to be surprised i want to analyze the lighting you know like or like the directing choices or the acting and so i i definitely appreciate this kind of that more general i just connected with this because it i did and it reflected Mm -hmm. who i am or what i was going through that's just i don't know that's just nice yeah I think I think also for me now, like hearing how Carson like connected to this book so much, I think part of the reason why I didn't like it so much when when I was a freshman, like I, I mean, it, you know, I liked the sort of culture around it, like that was fun. Yeah, we had like a but, fandom like, in our book English class, a little a mini yeah. fandom. <laughs> that, the actual book itself, like there were so many ways that I couldn't connect mm-hmm. to it. Um, yeah. And I think like, you know, in so many ways like that, that is not my experience. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and so I yeah, was like, I think eh. there were ways that I could connect to it that are more similar to how Carson was describing in terms of just, or just what we talked about, about just being generally confused about your feelings all the time and confused about your what your mm-hmm. emotions are towards somebody, what that attraction is, if that is attraction, whether or not that attraction is a certain kind of attraction. Like it's 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 such a complicated thing and I and like the whole identity, just the whole coming of age vibe, the whole adolescent angst vibe. I mean I, I definitely connect to that, but I did not at all connect to the setting, especially because I hadn't really been established in the schooling environment we were in yet so it definitely Mm. you know it was like one of the first i feel like it was not one of the first things we analyzed but it was an early thing we analyzed so yeah we we hadn't really like read closely any longer works at this point it had been like short stories i think maybe some poems well no poetry was was later um but it was mostly short stories up to this this point i know that this was pre-hamilton phase because my book doesn't have hamilton references written all over it unlike my copy of the odyssey which has hamilton references like written all over it all (laughs) so yeah it's the story structure i mean the hero narrative yeah Um, thanks for sharing carson 
Yes, thank you. That was wonderful. The the next one um, we're going to listen to is uh, our friend Mads, who has been on the podcast, and we probably talk about a little bit too much. <laughs> to be fair, I, I imagine Mads will say this, but Mads was in our English class, went through a separate piece yeah. with us. I think you said Mads was the one who introduced you to the idea of the 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 queer yeah. reading of this. We didn't even talk about that as much as I thought we would. I mean, there's just so much <laughs> no. here. Okay, I, okay. I wonder what I wonder um, what Mads is going to say. I have I did not listen to this one. Could you? I will mute myself. Um, yeah, mute yourself. There we go. For you. A separate piece was the book through which I learned how to annotate. Um, I just got out my copy again, and my the, the pages are just full of very diligent notes from 14-year-old me in black pen, very formal, like stuff like symbol, irony, um, every other word is circled or underlined. I really, really um, worked my way very deeply through this book reading it the first time. Um, and I remember actually a few years later, I actually reread it over winter break, uh, no pen in hand, just kind of to enjoy it. And I just remember being really touched, um, that it is, it is a story about friendship and, um, it's pretty heartbreaking. Um, and it's been a while since I read it, um, definitely a few years. So I don't know if, I don't know what I would think about it this time around. I don't know how I'd find the story. I don't know if that feeling that I remember, um, of just kind of like love for it, you know, nostalgia because of like how it first came into my life. Um, and then also what it's about. I don't know if that would endure, but definitely what does endure about this book for me is kind of the fact that it was the place where I really learned how to pay attention to stories. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. And it is, it is so fun seeing what little me um, thought about this book. And I'm very glad to have had um that experience to have really learned how to how to give um stories their due um yeah love love this book love this pod glad you guys are doing this episode excited to listen to it i'm excited to hear your guys' thoughts on it um yeah <laughs> thanks thanks for having me on the pod okay okay excited to hear your thoughts i see yeah we sure have some i think i think part of what is so great about hearing from mads for me on that is that like we did not prompt her (laughs) yeah because we were in the same english class like She's one of the people, along with you, who I share the most direct experiences about a separate piece with. Especially since, at that point in time, the three of us had five classes together. Like, (laughs) five out of seven classes. (laughs) I think you might have even had another one with Mads, but I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Mads was in most of my classes, yeah. Yeah. Like we were, we had most of our classes. Oh wait, together. was Mads in my Spanish class? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. About. <laughs> yes. Okay. So six for you, five for me. Like, we just like by virtue of being in the same classes, we spent a lot of time together, and this book was so like all-consuming in our lives. Almost, I mean, almost honestly, in the way the war was 
for <laughs> for for Gene and Finny. I mean, I don't think that they were having like war fandom, but yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it, we formed, but like a I, little bit. I don't mean fandom like this expansive community, but I kind of do mean this like little community because we definitely yeah. did form a, a mythology and ideas for ourselves around this at the time, and that was really special for some reason. Like, I don't. I don't know, like the affection we had for that class environment and also just the way we were able to suddenly interrogate the work we were in, like taking in, uh, in a way we'd never really had the words to do before. Like, it's really sweet to hear Mads talk about that because yeah. obviously it's a, it's a very gene, <laughs> it's, a, it's the gene reflecting on past gene thing. And, and <laughs> it, it kind of is. And, and like, yeah. and, and, and Mads like, even talking about how she did try to read it again for for fun and, and that she was able to and that she enjoyed it. Oh, declaring her love for the book at the end, something I don't know that I'll do. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I think it's a, it's just really sweet to hear that and to to remember that this that this is not an that this experience extended beyond us and to other yeah. people, which we already mentioned, but just like we didn't prompt her to say that stuff. She just no. reflected on it the same way as us. Like our our prompt was Record like, introduce, yourself. Introduce yourself. <laughs> which she which didn't do. Mads did not do. <laughs> Good thing we did it for her and like predicted what she was going to say. Um, and then say like either a memory or an analysis of the book that that you just like want to share um, or like that you weren't able to share freshman year um, when we read this. Um, and I don't know. It just like this this book the way everybody read it it just like made such a community yeah. um it's and like I think digital literacy a, yeah except somehow less painful <laughs> it's like you know you're but brought I, together I by think, something that you don't want at the time but you probably yeah. will need to you know how to use adobe premiere pro in the next year or so yeah. uh. i think it, it's such an interesting idea because like um, like my sister also, well, she's currently at, um, our old high school and she also read a separate piece, but, um, like my point here was not to say she read a separate piece and that changed her life. Um, but it, it was, it, it, like she bonded with one of her friends over hating Spanish class. Hmm. um like her her like best friend now like they bonded over hating spanish class freshman year and like i don't know i just like our whole class was able to like sort of create this connection through this book um yeah i think i think this is what our english teachers would like to hear um i mean not not that this isn't genuine this is genuine but i also know for a fact there are people in that class that still think oh that book was terrible like yeah and that still think that that you know they're not grateful for that experience um yeah but yeah but then again our english teacher like sorry if you're listening but you probably wouldn't like to hear that we bonded over how gay the book was i mean like, maybe not i don't know we don't know what they were thinking but well, we know that we weren't encouraged to pursue that sort of in, in our class. in class yeah. and i and i understand why to an extent yeah, but I also kind of don't would, at the same time. Yeah, because <laughs> it definitely like, had other English teachers that were more open to that kind of conversation. I think like you have to sort of walk a line of like, 
going with student interest and also like making sure that you hit all the points that you need to hit as like you know yeah, of course. having us learn to analyze um which we have all said was like something that was so important about this book um and like the reason we're doing this episode is because we did learn to analyze with this book yeah and, um, and it's also important for some people in their own personal journey around identity and like seeing a complicated friendship that it that probably has some queerness in it i mean we both know that our all-girls school was not exactly the most heterosexual environment (laughs) and that's and that's great but it's also i imagine that having this something like that to explore not necessarily because it's like new or something but just like getting to be able to have that reading if you want to explore that reading in in a text in your english class i mean that's cool i think it would be cool if they had explicitly queer texts in english class but it's also i mean the color purple it's also a cool thing to have that subtext to explore with your new academic skills that you just gained um Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i mean here's the thing do i think that a separate piece should be in every curriculum no no absolutely absolutely (laughs) but i think there is something to be said for like maybe not for every school because a lot of schools are a lot bigger than ours our school is small um our school has the um like like the fact that people are coming from so many different middle schools and different experiences that I think that having this one book that everybody reads basically at the same time and together was just such like an important experience. I don't think it had to be this book, but I think that like having something that people can gather around and like connect about is just so important. And it was, um, you know, like, I think that is an important thing, but I think that we have to be critical about, like, what books we are choosing to give that spot Mm -hmm. to. Um, And it's, it's like, hard because there's so many good books and you want people to have different experiences and stuff. But there is something also to be said about having that one shared experience. Yeah. the the shared experience just like the whole the whole year the fact that we all learn the same curriculum but it's taught by different teachers and stuff i think i think for the i did not bond to the materials that we explored in english class nearly as much as i for all my time my limited time in high school because i was not there for the whole time but i bonded so much to the to the stuff that we read in the first year of high school and in this first half of the second year of high school i don't remember as much from the the end of that um and i don't know why but that earlier stuff and the 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 fun that we were allowed to have outside of class as friends that had that together um around mm. around a separate piece and around the odyssey and around i mean we've talked about it before um and around and around them the, the various cities yeah and the various shakespeare we read and all this like it it was such a cool thing and and as you said like we talked about this a little before we started which was you know 
a while ago. We've been potting for a while, but just that as a, as a, just a, as a, as a note, um, if it doesn't really matter that much what we're bonding around, if it's if it's not, you know, if there's no one answer for it, then I think that we probably have more room to have more curriculum that isn't written by white guys. Um, yeah, and that's especially that's when something you're. That, when you're going, this is one of the things that irked me about about a separate piece being the thing that we bonded around. When you choose to go to this like like feminine centered environment and an environment where the feminine is uplifted in a way that it isn't in a lot of other like aspects of life of public life, mm-hmm. um, and then the thing you bond over is a book where. There are, like, two female characters who have words and they're both only mentioned as how they relate to men. Like I don't even the, know the who head, you're talking about. The headmaster's wife and leper's mom. Like, that's all oh. we see. And then, th- then there's that one girl that's, like, the belle of the town and everybody, you know, thinks that she's so great and they, like, steal a lock of her hair and, like, that's... That's all we get for, like, female representation, and, like, why is that what we're bonding over? Yeah. Um, I mean, but we, I, we get to explore you know, more of that in in later stages of high school. Yeah. But I definitely agree that the fact that that's, like, the, the one of the first things that's so essential is kind of, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Um, and they actually changed the curriculum, mm. but, so they took out a separate piece, but different freshman english teachers are teaching different books in its place oh and like well then you can't unite over it yeah i know it's great that they thought we should you know uplift more diverse voices you know more female authors and like something a little bit more modern i don't i don't know exactly what they replaced it with but like the fact that now there isn't this central you know, core book to to bond over, like, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we should probably wrap up. Yeah, I know I, I think... sound very calm, but it's really just because I, I have a lot of enthusiasm. Believe me, it's just late ish, and my uh, rest of the people in my house would be quite upset have been quite upset by the volume i was <laughs> enthusiastically talking so yeah i'll just i'll just keep it uh, i'm sure you can hear the enthusiasm in my voice but we're so enthusiastic this was such a good episode to, it was so fun um, yeah and and, I, and i'm glad we're giving ourselves the chance to just do this once we, we are not gonna do this again yeah um not in this podcast anyway <laughs> okay um okay I'll, I'll 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 yeah so today we took a look back and blah, oh my gosh i'm reading this for the first time okay today we got what <laughs> there's a typo yeah, yeah um, okay, that okay. was because i did not that's fully why. delete today, it's okay today we took a look at the book a separate piece and decided yes it's gay but it's also just a really it's a complicated it's you you heard <laughs> i don't yeah, know what it's to say. complicated it's war <laughs> but it's, it's meaningful it's everything right and it's meaningful whether it, that's because you know it's a thing that we read together or you know it's, it's a decent book 
It's decent. Uh, thank you to John Knowles for writing it, and to our freshman English class for forcing us to read it back in I 2015. Can't believe, I can't we just thanked John Knowles. Um, <laughs> this podcast was edited and produced by Claire and Elliot. The opening and closing of music is by Elliot, and I'm usually the one who interact with on social media. If you have any questions, or you would like to suggest a song for us to analyze in the future, then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at LITLpod or email us at lostinthelyrics.pod at gmail.com. Also, if you want to talk to us about a separate piece, oh my gosh, you can find us please, there as well. Please. Please do. <laughs> or, you know, if you if you want to talk to us about a separate piece, you probably have our phone numbers. But actually, yeah. don't contact me by my phone number right now because... Uh, you'll you'll be in friends outside of the Thomas Void. I don't have that number. Okay. Anyway, thank you to all of our listeners for your support and enthusiasm, especially to um, Mads and Carson for the clips that you sent in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the pod, and that you join us next time to get lost, lost in, in the lyrics. lyrics. We will be lo- getting lost in lyrics next time. <laughs> have a dandy day. <laughs> oh wow. <Woo-hoo. laughs>